Please stand for the reading of our scripture. Now, then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. I've instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath as he arrived. At the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house, and I only have a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, then me and my son will die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, of the God of Israel says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. You may be seated. That's my daughter, Sadie. Can you all give her a hand for reading scripture? And she's so cute. Amen. Amen. Well, hey again. My name is Andrea Isaacs. In case we have never had a chance to actually officially meet, I would love to shake your hand or hug your neck um, after service today. Jason and I are the pastors here at Hope City Church uh, in Louisville, Kentucky. We have been here, you guys, for 18 years. Amen. 18 years we've been pastoring for almost 15, uh, but it is such an honor. It is so exciting to be here um, today. Thank you for letting us be a part of your Mother's Day plans. I know that that's a big deal. There's a lot of things that you could choose um, to do to honor or celebrate or spend your time um, today. And so it's a big deal to us that you are here. Whatever brought you here today, um, we think it is awesome. And you made it. I just want to say that. You made it. Like you're here. Sometimes it's just a, you know, a miracle to get six people out the door, at least at my house, okay? So if you got people dressed today, if you got yourself dressed, amen. Come on. You're here. You made it. Um, and you should definitely take a picture to commemorate that because that is a huge deal. We have a really fun photo booth out front. Did y'all see it? All the pink, all the flamingos. So that's what your mom really wants. She wants you to take a picture today. She wants you to just all be in the same place at the same time, smiling. Um, so you should do that. But we are so, so thrilled um, that you are here. And we think moms are a really big deal. Um, you bring so much compassion and beauty and nurturing um, to the world. And so we just want to give a shout out. Um, so the last 12 months at our house um, has been quite the transition just in the last 12 months, um, to kind of give you a little bit of insight into the Isaacs family, we have lived in a basement with friends. We have moved houses, purchased a new home, and changed counties, crossed county lines. We have, um, I have changed jobs and um, positions. All four of my kids have transitioned to new schools. Um, we have combined churches, amen. We have transitioned church buildings. Um, so many transitions, so many changes. We have also, in the last 12 months, had a car stolen. We have broken an ankle. We have cried. We have been disappointed. We have celebrated big. We, it has just been a lot. Anybody just right there with me, like it's just been a lot, 
right? Um, so just to kind of let you know, like, where our family um, has been. That's maybe the best way I could sum it up. It has just been a lot. And a few months ago, I think it was around February, I stumbled on this article. And to be quite honest, I do not know how I made it 39 years of my life not knowing this. But this article was about, of all things, y'all, it was about flamingos. Okay? And again, I don't know how I did not know this. Maybe some of you guys are into, you know, biology and all the things. But I did not know that mother flamingos, when they are feeding their young, they lose their pink color. Did y'all know that? So the color drains out of them and their plumes, their plumage, their feathers turn white because they are giving all of the nutrients to the baby birds. And I don't know about you, but when I read that, it was like a gut punch. I was like, oh my word, this feels like a little bit, anybody ever felt like life just drained the life out of you, okay? But here is something that is so cool. When I was, when I was reading this article, the condition of the birds being white is not a permanent condition. When the baby chicks start to feed themselves again, the pink returns to the mother bird's feathers. And I was like, oh my goodness. That was something through all of the changes and all of the ups and downs and just, I am in the throes. I had a daughter who started high school this year, y'all. Holy moly. I have another kid who's about to start middle school. That's right. And I've got two little boys. And it just seems like we have navigated a lot and that life has required so much of me. And I don't know if that is how you feel today. But I was so encouraged by this idea that the, the status was not permanent. That the color can come back. That the birds can get their pink back. And it was something that I just decided to kind of like hold on to for myself, right? That this idea, this idea that whatever I'm walking through right now, whatever I'm experiencing right now is not permanent. It's not something that will always be this way. That in fact, I could, if I can say it like this, get my pink back. Anybody with me today, <laughs> right? So um, I'm kind of wrestling or kind of thinking, you know, about this idea. And um, there is this amazing story in 1 Kings um, that Sadie just read to us. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to grab, um, grab that and, and kind of hang with me in 1 Kings um, for a little bit today. 1 Kings 17. And if you don't, like, if you need just like an injection of, you know, super boosts, like you need like the Alani new of like faith booster, okay, energizing you, go read 1 Kings and check out Elijah's life, okay? Elijah is this man of God. He's this prophet. And these amazing things happen to him. But it is not just like all sky high. Like it is some, you know, valleys and some mountains. And um, Elijah is a prophet. He's a man of God. And uh, he is living in this land, this territory, this area that has not seen rain for three years. So I know for some of us today, like it feels like it's just been a rough season, right? Like the last couple of months or the last 12 months or the last few weeks or, man, it just seems like 2023 or whatever. 
But, like, I want you to think, some of this, like, it goes back. It's, like, it's not been, like, a few weeks or a few months. Like, we're talking years of struggle, of, of doubt or drought or famine, okay. That is the circumstance that Elijah is living in. There has not been any rain. There has not been any rain. And with no rain means no food, no crops, no uh, fruit, no bounty. And people are struggling. Is anybody able to relate? Anybody in a place where maybe it just feels like it has been a little bit of a famine, okay? Elijah shows up in Zarephath. That's like the place. That's like the location. And there is a widow. There's this widow. And he shows up to her house. He's like knocking on the door. And he's like, hey, listen, I need some water and some bread, This seems like a really, really simple request, right? Like if I came to you and said, hey, could you get me a glass of water? Do you you have like a little piece of bread, like something? um, I've been, you know, traveling, walking a while. Like, have you got anything for me? Like we would probably be able to try and like meet that need. But look at what the Bible says. This widow looks around and she's like, I I have nothing to give you. Like there is... There is, I'm sorry, would you like to come in and check the pantry? Like I, like there is nothing. I have like the tiniest bit of oil and flour. In fact, I was getting ready to go and make a final meal for my son and I. I, I, I have nothing to give you. I've heard before that mothering is like you're drowning and someone says, can I have a gummy snack? <laughs> and you're, but it would be like if you're looking around, you're like I don't even have gummy snacks to give you. I don't even have anything to give you. And maybe that is where you are at in this current season. Maybe you feel absolutely incapable or unable of doing just one more thing. Maybe you feel like you have tried all of the parenting book strategies 101 on how to get this child to act right. Anybody? Just just me. No. Maybe, yeah, two hands and a leg. That's right. Maybe, just maybe, you are looking around going like, I, there is no more money left for whatever the thing is that you're getting ready to ask me for. There's no more money. There is no more money. I am unable to do the things that you are asking of me. Maybe you feel like you have gone to the experts or you've checked in with the, you know, counselors and, the, and you're like, I'm trying to raise this kid. I'm trying to do the things. I'm trying to make the decisions. And it just feels like you keep coming up short. Maybe, just maybe, that's where some of us are at today. But a few things jump off the page um, for me about this particular widow. First of all, she is a widow, She does not have a husband. She's a single mom. And she has probably walked many, many days of loneliness. She has probably exhausted all of her ideas and creative ways of handling problems and stretching the food to the next day or trying to clip the coupons or whatever the case may be. But she's doing it alone. She's doing it on her own. This woman knew poverty. She knew what it was like to go without. She knew what it was like, not just for a few weeks, not just for a few months, years of saying, I'll see what we can put together, but it's not going to be much. 
I know for this particular woman, she believes that she had nothing to offer. God, the God, the God of Israel is asking this woman to obey. He's asking her to give from a place of, of nothingness, to draw from a well that is completely empty, at least in her perspective. She's like, I am checking all of the cabinets. I am looking in all of the hidden drawers. All I have left is a little bit of oil and some flour. And she is not a Jewish woman. Did you catch that? This is a woman who was a Gentile. This is not a woman who would have been acquainted and familiar and personal in her faith with the God of Israel. She says to Elijah, I want to say it exactly how she says it. She says to Elijah, um, I swear by the Lord, your God. She doesn't say my God. She doesn't say our God. So this is not a woman who would have been used to like hearing the voice of the Lord and obeying readily and having her own faith and understanding of what God might have been up to. This is a foreign God, but she's probably heard stories. She's probably gotten wind of the fact that Elijah is a prophet and that he's a man of God. And his God is asking her to obey, asking her to do something. I think that that's significant. I think that that's interesting, that she was unfamiliar. She was not a woman of Jewish faith, but she was being asked by God to do something. Have you ever felt unable? Have you ever just felt absolutely unable to do what God was asking you to do? God, I don't know how I'm going to raise these kids. I'm trying, Lord. I'm doing everything I know to do. I'm trying to plug all the holes, but it just seems impossible. God, I'm trying to model it. I'm trying to obey you. I'm trying to walk it out. But God, I just feel unable. You're looking around. You're trying to see what resources you can tap into. And it just seems impossible. Maybe you're feeling a leading from the Holy Spirit. You want to obey God in your tithing or in your giving or honoring God with your finances. You're like, God, I can't even pay the bills I have right now. And you want me to do what? You feel unable. You feel incapable. Maybe you feel a, a, a kind of a pull. God's asking you to obey. God, I, God's saying, you know, I want, I want you to serve. But maybe Pastor Alex shows up and she's like, we, we'd love to have you over in kids ministry. And you're like, I can't even deal with my own kids. You want me to deal with somebody else's kids? We were 10 minutes late to church today. You want me to get here how early? I'm unable. I'm unable. You feel like you've prayed every prayer. You feel like you've asked every question. You feel like you've done all that you can do. And God's saying, I need you to obey. I need you to obey. This woman is exactly like us. She's exactly like us. We are exactly like her. We find ourselves in places of pressure. We find ourselves in places of lack. We find ourselves in places of confusion. And Elijah even says to her, don't be what? Afraid. So we know that this is a woman 
who was afraid. I don't know about you, but I feel like my afraid gear has kicked up into high gear the last 12 months. I just feel so uncertain about so many things. And you're, you're like, but you, okay, help me, like help me. If I do X, Y, and Z, it will produce the outcome that I want, right? And it doesn't work like that. There are so many areas that we are just needing and having to trust God, but it feels like a struggle. But look at what she does. She goes for it. She says yes, she obeys. She finds a way and she takes the little bit that she does have and she obeys and she does what is asked of her. It says, Elijah said, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you have said, but make a little bread for me first. Oh my goodness. Have you ever been asked to do something for someone else before you even can do it for yourself? Man. Guys, this woman wasn't just like, how am I going to host this, this nice man in my house? I don't have the right china dishes. This is going to be embarrassing. Did you catch the part where she says, I'm getting ready to make a final meal, and then my son and I might die? This is not a woman who is trying to have like, like a humble, like, I don't know if I can do that. She is on the brink of it all coming down. She's on the edge of it all being over. And she finds a way not only to make the bread, but it's like an additional sacrifice that she does it for Elijah first. She has to obey completely. She has to obey all the way. He says, then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. The miracle for this woman was in the fact that God sustained again and again and again and again and again and again. I think so many of us so often, what we want God to do is change our circumstance. What we want God to do is make the problem go away. What we want God to do, go with me for just a second on this one. This is how my imagination works. But it's been a famine for three years. What she would maybe want God to do is just like she would win the grocery lottery. Like she opens the pantry and it's like, here's all the things that my family will need. I don't have to worry about a single thing. That's not what God does. And I honestly, honestly believe, I believe that this is intentional because Think about it like this. If she, if that had happened, if like miraculously God had just like put all the things in her cabinet, in her pantry, whatever she needed, don't you think that that would have made her vulnerable to like people stealing it, robbing it, taking it from her? We're in a time of famine. We're in a time of drought. People are desperate. Sometimes the fact that God is just kind of sustaining us from day to day is a form of protecting us. It's a form of keeping us relying on him. It's a way that we have to keep coming back to him and saying, you'll provide what I need today. Give us today our daily bread. Give us today what we need. Tomorrow will take care of itself, but I can't even worry about that because I need you to show up today.
Jason's grandmother, he has talked about her quite a bit because she was just such an incredible woman of God. Mima Isaacs, um, this is Jason's dad's mother, um, was such a fantastic, phenomenal woman of faith um, that she, before she passed away, she was intentional to type up her story of how God had moved in her life because she wanted there to never be a shadow of a doubt for her children and her grandchildren and her great-grandchildren that God was able, that God was faithful. And I had to share this um, with you guys today. It's an entire folder typed up. It is memories of miracles. Memories of miracles that she dedicated to her children and her grandchildren. Guys, I have had my hands on this this week, pulling it back out. There are over 50 miracles that she specifically put down in writing so that there would not be a question of whether or not God was able, that God had showed up in years. She records it in different, like, seasons of their life. She kind of marks it out. But there are so many ways and moments where she chose to see God's hand. So I think that's another part of what happens to us. We think that like it's just not a big deal that God, God got us from yesterday to today. We just explain it away as like a simple like, well, you know, we got lucky. We reimagine it. We tell it a different way instead of going, wait, 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 wait. I think this is God. I think God is moving. I think God is doing something significant. She tells one story in here that I just absolutely love. She talks about how God was calling them to ministry. They were um, pastors. And she talks about how, listen to this, she said, it was a miracle. She meant this. She was not being facetious. She was not being funny. She said, it was a miracle that I was willing to live in an old rundown house on the side of a mountain with no running water and no bathroom facilities. The Judy before Jesus would not have lived there. I wasn't raised in those conditions. I was above that kind of life. But God and YZ were patient with me. Love this. Listen to this. YZ was kind enough to install a light in the outhouse that I could turn on from the kitchen. There were many nights when I was walking back from the outhouse that I would look up to the sky and thank God for the privilege that it was to live in that house and work for him. Amen. This was a woman who was determined to see the hand of God in her life. She tells another story. Y'all, they, they drove a hearse, okay? So one of the cars that they drove was a hearse. That, they were pastors. That was what they, that's what they had available. And they, the, the gas light comes on, but their next paycheck was like a week away. She gets her hands and the kids' hands and lays them on the hearse and prays, Jesus, God, you know our finances. God, you know where we're at right now. You see every single one of your children. And God, we need you to keep this, this car running until next week when we can put gas in it. And listen to me, it ran for a week with the gas light on. That's the kind of God that we serve. That's the kind of miracle that God can do. But we're so simple that we will sometimes be like, that's, I mean, we just, maybe the light just flickered. It was like a mechanical error. It wasn't really. No, ma'am. No, sir. God, she saw the hand of God. She tells one other miracle. There's tons of them. I could go on and on. But she tells another one that I was like, my goodness, that's amazing. She was struggling with a coworker. At work, she had a job they, they were, they, she could not walk away from, had this job. It put her into like a deep depression 
because of the tension with this coworker. And she's asking God to move. She said YZ would come and bring her lunch and a towel so she could cry. And they were just praying that God would intercede, that God would do something, that God would move. She was leaving work one day and fell down the stairs and broke her ankle. And she was out of work and drew unemployment for three months. And when she was over healing, she went back to work and the woman wasn't there anymore. (laughs) Can you imagine believing that God allowed the circumstances to work? And I'm not saying that God broke her ankle. Please don't mishear me. I'm just saying there's a way that we can look at life and say it's got to be God. It's got to be God. It's got to be God. She wanted to see it that way. And more often than not, we're so worked up about the things that aren't working. We're so frustrated about the circumstances when maybe, just maybe, God is like, I am up to something. If you would just be patient, if you would just lean in, if you would just trust me. Remember, this, is, this, this widow is not a believer. This is not a woman who knew, but we know, and God is pushing us to lean in. He is pushing us to obey and to trust, and the oil doesn't run out. I don't know how many days there were sleepless nights with infant babies who you're trying to feed them or deal with colic or get them through the night, and you're wondering, you're, you're like, I, it, this may kill me. It's sucking the life out of me. I'm drained. I don't know how I'm going to get up tomorrow morning and go to work. I don't know how I'm going to make it through. And it's oftentimes in the sustaining that God is causing us to realize that he is the one carrying us. He is the one getting us from point A to point B day after day after day after day. I love this. It says, that she continued to have flour. She did as Elijah said. And Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. Many days, you guys. A little bit of oil, a little bit of flour. There was enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised. Okay, verse 17, it says, some time later. Everybody say, sometime later. Okay, so we've had a distance. It hasn't been like two, three, four days. We're talking about God has done this miracle, and it shows up sometime later. Everybody say sometime later. Okay, sometime later, the woman's son becomes sick. See, I love this because it would be so easy to just preach the first part. It would be so easy to just stop and say, God sustains us. God gets us through, and he does. But this next part is where my faith is like nailed down to the ground. Because this woman's son gets sick. And it says he grew worse and worse. And he finally died. What do we do when we face the unimaginable? What do we do? What does our faith look like when our worst nightmare becomes our present reality? Maybe some of you today have buried a child. Maybe some of you have gotten the worst phone call. It is cancer. It is this diagnosis. It is the thing that you were the most afraid of. 
Your marriage did end. Your family did file bankruptcy. What do we do when tragedy is our current situation? The unimaginable. The unimaginable. This woman had already walked through tragedy. She was a widow. We said that at the very beginning. What do we do? She must have had so many questions. God, I obeyed. God, I did what you asked of me. I let the man of God live in my house. What do you mean my son is dead? He grew worse and worse while Elijah was in the house. What do we do then? What are our resources? What do we reach to? What do we turn to? Look at what happens. She said to Elijah, O man of God, what have you done to me? Have you ever felt that way? Somebody else's fault. Somebody else has caused this. Somebody else is to blame. What have you done to me? What have you done to me? And then she says, this breaks my heart. Have you come here to point out my, son, my sins and kill my son? This is what we do, isn't it? We just heap on the guilt. It's my fault. It's my sin. My bad decisions. I'm the one who got us here. We wrestle and we struggle in our grief, in our disappointment, in our heartbreak. I can relate to this woman. It didn't go the way she thought. With all her obedience, with all of her hospitality, with all of her opening her home, her son died. Her son died. And look at what happens. Elijah replied, give me your son. Give me your son. And he took the child's body from her and carried him up the stairs where he had been staying. And he laid the body on the bed. Elijah cried out to the Lord, oh, Lord, my God, why have you brought this tragedy to this widow who has opened her home to me, causing her son to die? Elijah is compassionate and in the moment of what is happening with this family. He is in it with her. I love that he took the body from her arms. It's like he actually carried the burden on her behalf. He scoops that child up, carries that child to the upstairs bed, and he begins to cry out. Elijah is not placating her with reasons and answers and solutions. He says, God, why? Why is this where we are? And I think that is so honest. I think that is so beautiful and raw that Elijah is carrying this with this woman. And that is what we need. When you are facing tragedy, when you are walking out your worst nightmare, you get to call on your spiritual community. You get to lean in to your pastors and your small group and other believers. That is the beautiful dynamic of the body of Christ, that you don't have to carry this on your own, when you face the unimaginable, when you cannot do it on your own, you cannot do it for yourself, you have to let other people believe for you on your behalf. It's a, a beautiful thing called intercession. Look at what Elijah does. I think this is the greatest gift. He prays for this boy. He stretched himself out over the child three times and cried out to the Lord, oh Lord my God, please let this child's life return to him. In verse 22, 
Here it is. The Lord heard Elijah's prayer. And the life of the child returned. And he was revived. Amen. Amen. I don't know what it is in your life that needs to be brought back to life. But you serve a God who is able. This feels like another story to me. Did you catch it? There's a dead son. There's three times Jesus laid in the ground in a tomb for three days. And God brought him back to life. Amen. And listen, the Bible tells us that the same power that raised Christ from the dead, who knows it, lives in you and me. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you and me. So I don't know what needs to be restored specifically in your life right now, but you serve a God who does not operate by the systems of this world, by the natural laws of this world. You serve a God who brings dead things back to life. Amen. Amen. And that there is an opportunity for the body of Christ to be there for one another. When you tell me I'm praying for you, I'm like, thank you. Because I know what it means. I believe that prayers move heaven. I believe that faith matters. I love that the scripture says the Lord heard Elijah's prayer. He heard Elijah's prayer. And you and I, you and I get that same kind of access. When you feel unable, when you are facing the unimaginable, I want to tell you today that it is unfinished. The story is not over yet. God is still working. God is still moving. You just have not seen the final picture yet. There is a perspective of eternity that we get to tap into, and we serve a God who can do anything. He can do anything. She doesn't totally get it. She didn't understand. She didn't have the words to pray. She didn't know the power and the access that she could have by serving the God of Israel. But look at what the final verse says. The woman told Elijah, now I know Now I know. She had walked out the miracle of the oil and the flour. That's amazing. That is beautiful. God was providing for her, but she didn't know then. She didn't tap into it and understand and see. She didn't have an awareness then. It was through the tragedy. It was through the heartache. It was through God showing up in a situation that was unspeakable. That she could then say, now I know. Now I know. I know for sure that you are a man of God and that the Lord truly speaks through you. And I am praying that for you today. That you would have a sense of, now I know. Now I know. I have been praying all week long that your faith would be lifted so high that you would say, God may not change the circumstance the way that I think it should go. And I've experienced some heavy things in my life. I'm not saying that everything just magically gets made right. But what I am telling you is that you have a God who loves you and who sees you. And he does miracles. Amen. You can go to him and ask for the things that you need. And I want you to have courage to do that. I want you to be full of faith that says, God, 
I don't know what else to do, which puts me in the perfect place to know that you do miracles and that you can move. For some of us today, that sense of getting your pink back is obedience to God and seeing him move. For some of us, it's a change in season. It really will start to rain again. It really won't stay this way. For some of us, it looks like witnessing a miracle or being challenged in our faith or having the joy of our salvation restored to us. God wants you to be full of life and full of faith. Amen? Listen, this is how I want us to close today. I've asked Jason to come up here with me. And I just feel so burdened and heavy about this. But some of us really are walking out a scenario where we feel like our children are spiritually dead. We need God to move. We need God to do a miracle. We need God to show up. And so we're going to pray for kids today. I want you to lead this. Yeah, if you would, why don't you stand with me? We're going to have communion and prayer, time of prayer in just a moment. But before we do that, I wanted to... I wanted to just take a moment to pray for the, the children that are represented in this room, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, that, like Andrea mentioned, are, are spiritually dead. We know in the story that this child was physically dead, but all throughout the Bible, death is always representative of spiritual death. And I don't know, there's lots of different stories and details and reasons and all the things that have happened, but what I know we all have in common is that for those of us who are walking in that situation, you know, more advice isn't going to fix it. More hugs isn't going to fix it. We need God to do something miraculous, Amen. to get a hold of a heart, to get a hold of a soul. And I'm crazy enough to believe that as we pray in just a moment, that wherever they are right now, you know, they're in bed or they're in a car somewhere, or they're at a restaurant somewhere. I, I believe the Holy Spirit is able to move in their heart and in some way that they're not able to understand that they would get this sense that a mom, a dad, a grandmother, a grandfather, an aunt and uncle's praying for them, that God's calling out to them. So I want to do one more thing, and this may seem a little odd to you, but I want you to grab your phone if you have your phone with you. And if you have a picture of a, of a son or a daughter, of a grandson or a granddaughter, a nephew or a niece that's away from God, that's spiritually, you know, not seeking, that they're spiritually dead, their soul is, is lost, would you just find a picture of them on your phone? Maybe they came to church with you today. That's going to be a little awkward. You can just tell them, it's you. Yeah, right here. Just snap a picture of them real quick. Just, that's awkward. Don't do that. But listen, I, I believe with all of my heart that God wants to reach our sons and daughters. He wants to reach our grandsons and our granddaughters. And so whatever is going on in your family, whatever story is happening in your life, would you just take that picture of that son or daughter, grandson, granddaughter, that child, adult child in your life, and would you just hold it up? And can we together for these next few moments just pray for God to bring a soul back to life? Can we do that? Come on, let's lift up those images, those pictures, and let's pray together out loud like it's our son or our daughter. Come on, let's pray. God, we just pray right now for every son and every daughter, every grandson and granddaughter, niece and nephew, Godson, goddaughter that is represented in this room by parents and family members praying for them that they would experience 
salvation, that their soul would come back to life, that they would find and experience the love of Jesus Christ. God, I pray right now that wherever they are, whatever they're doing right now at this exact moment, that in some way beyond their understanding, their, their spirit would experience this, this knowing that there's a church that's praying for them, that there's a mom or a dad praying for them, there's a, there's a friend praying for them, that they are new, not too far lost, they are not too far gone, they, are not, uh, they haven't done anything too bad, that they cannot come back to you. God, in the same way that Elijah prayed for that son and he came back to life, we are praying for our sons and our daughters, for their souls to be reawakened or awakened for the first time or the first time in a long time. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen.